Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk, a podcast for health-conscious parents where you get the perspective of a mom and a dad who's also a pediatrician and pediatric emergency physician. Instead of Googling your way through parenting and hoping for the best, get trusted guidance and be the empowered, savvy, and decisive parent you know you can be. Sleep easy when you follow advice tested by doctors and tried by moms and dads. Here are your mom and dad hosts, Dr. Christopher Haynes and Azure Sullivan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mom and Doc Talk. In this episode, we're going to be talking about reading, speech, and language, something that uh, can give fear of every parent. So we, uh, we all worry about those milestones, of course. I am Azure Sullivan, and I have here my co-host, Dr. Chris. Hey, guys. I'm Dr. Chris. I can't wait for this episode tonight, and we're going to get into some of the causes of delay in speech and language, and we're going to talk about it from both a medical perspective and a non-medical perspective. And I am very excited to have Carrie Bowerly as our guest today. She is an expert in reading, speech, and language in children. Carrie has a master's of education in reading and a bachelor's of science in elementary education. In addition, she has over 30 years of experience as a classroom teacher and a reading specialist. Didn't I hear 31 years? Oh, that's, yeah. (laughs) With that being said, welcome, Carrie. Thank you for being here. Is there anything with your background that we missed? Oh, uh, no. I've taught at all the levels. I can say that from kindergarten all the way up through college, which is really uh, has is wonderful and has challenges at all at all ages. (laughs) Thank you so much Mm -hmm. for having me. And, And you have children as well, correct? I do. I'm mother of three boys who boys. are 17, 18, and 21. Uh, soon, very soon to each advance by a year. So you are not busy at all then? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. In fact, uh, I, I didn't just spend 12 hours in the car over the weekend driving up to Rochester to bring one child's college accoutrement home. Uh <laughs> He has to be moved out by Friday, and uh, I guess they expect people to just drop everything. And absolutely, that's what moms <laughs> do, right? Yeah, I've absolutely. done I've done that with Emily in Alabama. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. How long? Oh, and and can she store anything there, or do you literally drive? Um, we actually store everything, and she flies back. It's but it's oh, been okay. it's been a debacle with COVID. It's been very interesting to oh. balance um, a child college in college life in general. Where can you put things and how do you do it? And we, she's driven back a few times herself, which is also challenging as a parent. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. With all of that, I I really want to ask like the big question, and I'm sure everyone else is wondering this. You know, what got you into this this profession? All this expertise that you have. Um, I think it started because just deep down, I've always loved children. And I don't think it's the kind of thing you can do if you don't. Um, Absolutely. Lots of patience. hmm? Lots of patience. Um, Yeah, some days more than others, certainly. And not nearly as much for my own as I do for other people's. Um, The interesting thing is I, I, I... don't yell at the children at school. I don't think I've ever yelled at the children's school. And it's so weird that, um, you know, I obviously as a mom, there's a certain amount of yelling that just happens. <laughs> yep. What is it? I yelled 
because I care. There's a t-shirt. I saw. I yell, your three-year-old is not your enemy. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and three is worse than two any day of the week. Okay. Sorry, they said it's terrible twos. No, three was much worse all the way around. Um, but I, I think that, you know, um, always loving children, loving to be around them, um, to be with them. And I played school from the time I, you know, from kindergarten. Um, my sister played nurse and went on to become the head of nursing recruitment in Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York City. Oh, that's you know? amazing. So I think some of us know from a very early age, those of us who are lucky. Who's, what superhero you're going to be? Oh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I'd always hoped mom, which was good, but, you know, teacher uh it didn't always feel like superhero in the last few years with covid it kind of does <laughs> yeah but you've definitely been a superhero and it's unbelievably commendable and it's very much unsung and very much needed and i don't think people appreciate it as much as they need to absolutely absolutely um Thanks. with with all of that and you know let's kind of go the basic direction here about what are the typical signs sorry let me let me go back there not a sign let me just even reverse that even more can you please tell us what a speech delay is speech delay would be characterized as when a child is not typically speaking for what for what their age expectations would be okay um sometimes that is developmental in nature sometimes it's an intellectual disability uh, of some kind. Uh, other times, it, it it can depend on a lot of factors. Environmental is is a huge factor. Um, in fact, one of the things we're seeing now, um, kids even in daycares are not speaking as much as they have, um, and are not interacting as much as they have because they're all still masked. Absolutely, in cases, and so. They're not necessarily hearing very clearly. They're not seeing the facial expressions of their caretakers and things like that. So even you could have the best preschool and daycare in America, but if you can't see uh, that a person is smiling at you while having that conversation and taking turns, things like that. Uh, so even those things can cause something like speech delay. I think birth order is, is also important. You know, your first child tends to speak more and your third child can just point to things and the brothers or sisters can say, he wants his, That's awesome. whatever mm -hmm, it may be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and how, how does that, how, so what is a language delay then? How do they oh, differ? It's a little different. Yeah. Uh, speech can be just, you know, something that just happens by happenstance. Language delay is a little different. Um, because that tends to involve the processing of language. And there's two types of language. There's receptive, the language you're taking in. So if mom says, go pick up those socks, and you're two, mm -hmm. and you do that, then you can understand the receptive language. Um, but you may not have the expressive language, whether it be speech-related, or you might say, that's a funny yellow balloon dog and that's not what the child's trying to say <laughs> that that language is not connecting somewhere in, in the child's brain or they'll say spoon when they mean fan mm -hmm. um, sometimes and 
that can be indicative of any number of things. Um, but language processing is very complicated. What's so interesting right now is that brain imaging is giving us so much insight into how children speak, read, listen, learn. Um, the brain is hardwired to speak and listen. It is not hardwired to read and write. So um, it's really interesting that we can put children in an MRI and see what their brains are doing. And it's, it's really an exciting time um, in that it's not hidden anymore, necessarily. I mean, granted, no one has an MRI machine in their home. Mm-hmm. So you can't just put your oh, two-year-old oh, you in don't? there and say, what's happening? But We don't have one in the ER either. <laughs> I, I wish I did. That's an outpatient thing most of the time. Curry, you know, we've talked a little bit about like just the generalization of speech delay or and and language delay. And, you know, I'm I'm boarded in pediatrics and pediatric emergency medicine. And, you know, I'm taught the rule of twos and threes. You know, you should be speaking in two word phrases and at two, you know, three word phrases at three. And I see a lot of both language delay and speech delay in the ER um, parents sometimes don't even recognize it when they're very, very young. But what would you, how would you, I'm going to ask kind of a two-part question. What does a normal toddler, two-year-old look like? What do they do? What are they able to say? Um, and then the second part is when you see kids with speech delay, what does that look like? What what would a parent look out for? What are they looking for? And what do you see as a, as a, as a reading specialist and a speech specialist? Well, um, as far as what a, a typical developing toddler would look like at, at two, we, we do tend to see the two-word kinds of things. Um, a lot of um, um, gestures that go along with it. So it might be, mommy eats. Or, um, uh, you know, you're not getting the inflected endings. You're not getting proper grammar by any stretch of the imagination. You might get, I go nanas. And you go, okay, great, that's right, you went to Nana's. And the, really, the best way to just handle any kind of um, grammatical or even speech, um, my, I, I like Lalo, which is very popular with little <laughs> three-year-olds, <laughs> two-year-olds. They, they say Lalo for yellow. <laughs> yes, yellow is a beautiful color. Um, so just responding back as opposed to being critical uh, which most people aren't, mm-hmm. uh, uh, little people. However, it's important that the children start to hear um, and recognize that there's other ways to say it, that there's a proper way. And not in a, we're teaching you, we're schooling you. But, you know, if we just go, oh, how cute. She says, yes, Lelo, and we let that go, then she's going to go to kindergarten and say, Lelo, and that's not quite so cute. <laughs> I think I see that on more than one occasion frequently. And Dr. Chris, what do you probably? Yeah, I would agree. I think they think a lot of parents, you know, it's like, oh, it's really cute. But they don't realize that it's actually, you know, prolonging them not knowing that proper word. Absolutely. And then, of course, when you go to read eventually and you say all your you know, you say Lello, and the word in the book begins with a Y, <laughs> and you know that L makes L, and Y makes Y. Then <laughs> <laughs> you go, uh, that doesn't match what I say, what mm-hmm. I know, um, those kinds of things. And then it contributes to potential reading issues. 
Um, and we do often see a correlation between children with speech issues, and even if it's articulation, which really can be very, well, I shouldn't say easily remediated by your speech language pathologists, but it's, it's certainly much easier to remediate a speech articulation issue than a language processing issue. Mm -hmm. I guess, so when you, when, you know, all that description, um, I guess that kind of answers my next question about, you know, the typical signs of a speech delay, um, you know, saying the, I guess, the silly word form for the, you know, the proper word. Um, when do you typically see these delays often? I mean, you can even, if you have a, a two-year-old who really isn't speaking um, and has been brought up in a language-rich environment where people are speaking to him or her, um, then you want to take a look at maybe why that's happening. It could be a variety of reasons. I mean, something as simple as multiple ear infections. Um, with my three sons, we had 10 sets of tubes over um, a number of years because that's just what they did. <laughs> and so when you're hearing underwater, You'll um, often hear children who um, leave off beginning sounds. Um, so a child who might want to say Lewis might go, Ooist, Ooist, yeah. because vowels are continuous sounds. They can go on and be held forever. So if you're singing, I'm not going to sing. Don't, don't oh, come worry. on. Please sing for us. Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, I know you don't. Yeah, oh. What is it? B I N G I O. <laughs> That's big. It's different. Oh, and you can hold some sounds like S forever, but you really can't hold T. That's true. That is true. <laughs> it's and you're done. And we don't think about that. <laughs> and so when when a child has been belabored by um, a history of ear infections, you know, essentially they're hearing underwater. And if you're hearing underwater, what are you hearing? Whatever is loudest and longest, which okay. would usually be your vowels. Um, so those kinds of things, if you notice that they're dropping beginning sounds or ending sounds, that could be related to hearing. Um, the other thing is that rich language environment. You know, it's, I know this sounds kind of ridiculous, but um, when my oldest was born, I took him to grocery shopping and put him in that, you know, portable car seat right in the front of the um, shopping the cart and looked at him and said, so are we going to have broccoli tonight or green beans? People looked at me like I had 17 heads, like you're talking to a two-month-old. What is going on? But all of that language, that is language development. And I always think of it as like, Imagine that the brain is building a road. So what vegetables are we having? Vegetable road, broccoli or green beans? Oh, two more branches on the road. Mm -hmm. They're both green. Oh, similarity on the road. You know, I, I know it sounds kind of silly, but that's always how I imagined, and I know it's not scientific at all, but kind of always how I imagined what was happening in their brains for every word I, I said. However... There are lots of people, and, and including in the house I grew up in, um, particularly and, and with no disrespect, but families of lower socioeconomic status tend to do many more kinds of um, 
interactions verbally with their children that are commands. Stop. Don't. No. Get that. Pick it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of stuff. As opposed to, let's go downstairs and see what we should have for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So basically, very conversational, very like, you know, you and I would talk to each other, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I, um, I've i always thought that talking to them like, you know, little, not little adults, but definitely like, hey, I'm, I'm assuming that they'll eventually understand and this is really going to help them. Uh, with all of that being said, you know, what is the impact of, you know, the, the opposite, doing the opposite of what you were saying? What can is I, the can impact? Can I ask a question first before we go into oh, that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more multilingual families in the United States. And I'm curious, Carrie, what you've seen as, you know, we talk about these, you know, environments that are rich for speech and language. Are you seeing children that are coming in delayed? Um, I see children in the emergency department that families speak multiple languages, but the child only speaks one and it's not English. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious what you see um, in that environment. That's a good question. And honestly, as long as it's language rich in whatever language it is, we're good. Okay. Because we can always translate that over to whatever the other language needs to be for school. Well, so if you're, you know, um, I, I'm thinking of a, a, a little girl who came to us, two little girls actually, who came to us in second grade. Um, who were typically developing children, uh, didn't speak a word of English when they walked in the door. And so, you know, they hand them to me. And they go, <laughs> okay, um, well then. And <laughs> we, we start to do sounds because not the sounds are not always the same in every language. Um, so there's no V, for example, in a lot of Slavic languages. Yeah. There's a W sound mm-hmm. instead. And there are different just different sounds or and vowels, which really will, I, I think, um, on my headstone, it'll say, here lies Mrs. Bowerly, killed by, you know. That's awesome. Short E. Um, killed by short E. <laughs> I just, the vowels are so tricky. You know, yeah. we have A-E-I-O-U in English, American English. And then, you know, a child from a Spanish language background, for example, says, a, e, i, o, u. Um, but if they say e, that's the letter y in their language. <laughs> and so, mm. you know, then they come to us and we're going, this letter says this. And they're going, no, that doesn't say that. <laughs> so, um, the, the important thing is that they have rich experiences. Um, no matter what that is. And I will, you know, now I'll do my little soapbox thing. Um, you need to read um, to your children all the time, every day, no matter how tired you are, no matter how long the book is. Um, you know, you try to skip the pages. They go, nope, that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. Thomas does mm-hmm. this next and James is, James is cross. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> if you ever read a Thomas the Tank Engine book, James is always cross. <laughs> yeah. Um, but reading is really uh, the best thing you can do because reading picture books, especially, they're so incredibly rich in their language and they can be because they're supported by the beautiful pictures. And so you can point out all of those things. And so every time James was cross, I said, you know what cross means? Cross means mad and or angry. And, you know, 
Um, and, and so right there is a vocabulary lesson that the child doesn't know he's having. Mm-hmm. You're just explaining because, you know, cross means cross the street or cross means a religious symbol. But no, in England, cross means angry. Um, so reading provides all of those moments for you to do those things and talking. I mean, uh, you know, of course I'm a professional talker. I, I, I went, I, Carrie is a delight to have in class. <laughs> um, and then I went on to be a person who talks for a living at other people. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I love it. Well. I love um, when I'm reading my daughter books and I point out the words to her as I'm reading so she familiarizes, oh, that word says this or it looks like that when she says it and kind of getting her into, you know, more about more than just the ABCs and, you know, sounding those words out along with what the pictures are saying and really helps with her understand what's going on as well. Well, even left to right, top to bottom is something that um, we see kids who, um, I, I work in a school um, that is, in, is considered a, a low poverty aver, uh, area. We have 55% of our students receive free and reduced lunch. Um, and a number of our children, about a third of our kindergartners, uh, have never had any preschool experience or daycare experience. Um, their experiences are, it's not that they have no experiences. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that they have not what is typically expected in schools. And schools have been around for a long time. Maybe we need to move with times a little bit. Um but I've had very interesting conversations with kindergartners who say, you know, who reads to you at home? No one. Okay. Do you have any books in the house? Nope. Hand them a book. They don't know which way is up or down, uh, where to start, what's the first page, mm-hmm. you know, any of those things. And those things are generally labeled as concepts of print, you know, front of book, back of book, title, author. I mean, they don't have to know those words necessarily. The things but, we, overlook, you know, we overlook every day. Absolutely. <laughs> the joy of, of, of teaching the little people is hilarious. I mean, in some ways, it's like when you when you come in the room, this is what you do. I mean, you literally have to teach them everything. Kindergarten teachers are a special breed and clearly deserve badges of honor every single day of their lives. No um, day is the same, that's for sure. Hmm? No day is the same, that's for oh, sure. absolutely not. You have 181 days that are every day is different from the next. <laughs> Um, and then you get to start all over again. You, you send them off to first grade, and then you get little ones again, start again. Um, but, you know, with regards to, uh, to reading and speech, you, the other thing that I, and I think COVID has only made it worse. Uh, oh, in yeah. world, you know, but I, I have to be honest. Uh, and, and when we talk about kids and, and not having the experiences or the interactions with people, you know, I don't think you have to be in a free and reduced lunch area to have that situation. I remember pre-COVID sitting at a restaurant in Newtown and watching uh, three moms with three babies, toddlers in their seats with the bank in the mouth. Each height, my Dylan was a bank lover. 
he probably would have gone to college with his <laughs> It's the bane of my existence. Pulled it out of his mouth at two and said, the big fairy came. Um, but, um, but they all had phones. All three of these babies had phones and were watching videos with the bank in the mouth. So we're not speaking and we're having a passive interaction while the moms had this lovely little brunch <laughs> and, uh, you know, and an expensive kind of brunch place to be in Newtown. And so language doesn't necessarily have to do with your socioeconomic, although typically speaking, your lower socioeconomic group does have less experience, less, uh, I'm sorry, I should say fewer language experiences mm-hmm. than, you know, someone who goes, well, you know, we're going to France this summer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and look, this is the Eiffel Tower and you know, all of oh, those absolutely. Absolutely. with their very young children. So I cannot comment on the Binky Ferry more than <laughs> you did. Um, we just did a blog where we were talking about binkies. And a blog? I think it was podcast. Podcast, yeah, blog, we we talked, whichever it was. We talked about it in a variety of different venues. And the medical data is that over six months, of, so it, it most people don't realize this, that it actually decreases sudden infant death syndrome less than six months. And then after six months, it increases your risk of ear infections. And, and it increases. <laughs> well, that explains yeah. the 10 sets of tubes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and it's such a challenge because you want to soothe your child. And mm-hmm. I use the Binky Fairy every day. Um, I have kids that are coming in at five years old with a Binky. And I'm like, you need the Binky Fairy. Get all of them together. It's no longer about the soothing. It's time to get rid of them. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I heard about the Binky Fairy. It was, it was a shame. I remember my, my last two were only 13 months apart. So. You know, to have your, to have your, to find out that you're expecting again <laughs> so soon. You're like, here like, you go, just take it. <laughs> so it's bad enough I had to take the bottle away from the <laughs> child. But then I was going to take the binky away too. And I was going to take the mommy attention away as well. It was like, wait a minute, I, I can't. Torture. I can't. At, at the end of the day, they did well, right? That's all oh, that yeah. matters. At the end of the day, you know, one's going to go, one's at RIT. They moved out. See? Absolutely. You know, he didn't go to college with the binky. My oldest didn't go to college with Carson. that you know of. Did you check those bags? Uh, It's so funny. When we remodeled our kitchen, I had, I didn't realize, but every time I found a binky, because they were all over the house, they were everywhere. Behind the fridge. I kept throwing them up above the cabinets. Just like, I didn't quick. want the kid to come in and see me holding it. That's, <laughs> a, that's amazing. So we remodeled the kitchen. There were like 40 binkies up on top of the cabinet. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. That's hilarious. That hilarious. <laughs> there she lives. Oh, man. That's amazing. <clears throat> Going back to, uh, you know, all those wonderful things of the delays and whatnot, I mentioned before when Dr. Chris had a uh, a great question, um, like, what is the impact of the these delays, speech and language delays? And we'll get into, you know, like more of the medical issues or any other issues that might cause it, but more of like, what is, what are the main impacts? How does it, how do you see it impacting their schooling? communication relationships between you know, parents or other kids teachers you there there's certainly i mean we have had children come to school who god bless them and i, I love them but are unintelligible 
and that is you know the child comes to you he's in kindergarten she's in kindergarten and she says amika tapani you go oh mother of god i i don't know what the child can you say that again because i don't yeah, understand I that either <laughs> And it's precisely the point. Not to be, I mean, you know, you, because as the teacher, you want to be responsive. It's the child's maybe first experience in school. And you don't want to seem like you're not that person for this child, but you have no idea what the child is saying. We have a kindergartner this year who is, who was essentially unintelligible when he arrived. Um, and so, uh, now, well, there's a couple of different things here. Let's let's go back to uh, you can receive early intervention services through your pediatrician um, as early as two years old, and that's an important thing for parents to know. Um, and many parents don't, you know, they ah, he's not talking. My my husband didn't really talk that much when he was little, and so it's not a big deal. Or yeah, we know what he's saying. Um, okay, but you know, parents need to know that that's something that is available to them. You can receive free early intervention services, speech language, um, whether it be speech or language or a combination of both, um, by going to your pediatrician. And I'm pretty sure at every pediatrician checkup, um, every milestone checkup, they mm-hmm. they say, has your child done this? Can your child do that? Or they will ask the child, now, I need you to hop. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need you to jump. I need you to, you know, roll on the floor. I mean, whatever it may be. I, I'm not the doctor, so I will not. You are, you are absolutely, you are absolutely correct, Carrie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, going back to what you were saying, early intervention, it sounds like such a strong, harsh word, right? Intervention. My kid doesn't need intervention, right? Um, Can you maybe elaborate a little bit what that means? Absolutely. Um, Any child in the United States who needs um, any kind of support, each language, you know, any kind of medical support, any kind of disability support. Now, of course, you know, you have to remember that speech language is considered a disability, which terrifies people to hear, especially Mm -hmm. if it's their first first child. My um, and, and I, I feel terrible. Uh, one of my very dear friends is a speech language pathologist. Right there, that word, just pathology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's scary. There's something terribly wrong with you. No. Um, in fact, both of my youngest sons, I had evaluated for early intervention, and um, my middle son, my middle son, terrified me because he spoke. And in complete his own language. Um, and what really frightened me was that the time I dropped him off at daycare and he sat down at the table and he was like, Amika Tata Chupa. And he just started speaking whatever the heck he was speaking, which did make made no sense at all. And then he slapped his knee like a 95-year-old man. And he went, <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the children in the daycare got his laughing and I thought oh my god they can understand him (laughs) (laughs) I I I was like something weird is happening here um but we we didn't understand what he was saying until he was uh, older than two now he also got a 1590 on his SAT so it's 
not that there was a problem. It's just that speech-wise, he was not doing what the rest of us were doing. Mm -hmm. And he lived in a very rich environment with books, with conversation, with an older brother, um, with two parents who were teachers. My youngest son didn't say anything and it's, uh, until he was two, but he understood everything. So we had somebody come out to the house and, you know, uh, and she was saying, can you get me that baby doll? And she would put things all around and he would go over and get the baby doll. Mm-hmm. Freezer. So she knew he didn't have a receptive language to, um, problem, um, or uh, disability. He just didn't need to speak because he could point and he had two older brothers who goes, Ryan wants this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he means this. He means that. Uh, but, you know, if you have concerns, you should definitely speak to your pediatrician. And um, there's all sorts of evaluations that they can um, basically write your prescription for. Um, and those people will either you go to them, they can come to you in some places. Uh, Pennsylvania, we're very lucky. We have something called an intermediate unit system. So every school district can't afford to have all of these specialists. Mm-hmm. Payroll. Um, so if, for example, in Buck County, 13 school districts, if you need somebody to come out and evaluate your child, they have a whole group of people who are, will go to any of those 13 districts to any of those families. And, and that's so amazing. Have, that's so amazing, it, especially when it, your kid really yeah. needs it. Um, uh, Dr. Chris, I kind of want to get him to talk a little bit about some medical issues that can cause a speech or language delays. Maybe you can enlighten us in a little of those. Uh, you know, I think Carrie kind of talked about one of them already. She did. She definitely and did. we see ear infections like it's gone out of style. And unfortunately, we see the same kids over and over and over again with them. And it's really important. And I see kids that are coming in with five, six, seven ear infections. And I would tell them that you get to about four, you're going to have to ask your pediatrician to go see an ears, nose, and throat doctor, and you may need tubes because that'll really take it out. An ear infection is an abscess. It's going to drain it. And as Carrie talked about, you're, you're listening through water. You, you can't hear. If anyone's ever scuba dived, you, or, can't, you can't hear very well. Or has had water stuck in their ear and that like drum sound and it sticks in there, you know, on the summer days. I definitely know what that sounds like. My mother had tubes in her ears for the longest time and she was like, oh my God, I have an ear, an ear infection. I can't hear anything out of this ear. You know, I'd hear constant complaints. I can only imagine a little child baby with an ear infection that can't tell you or communicate with you in that way. Yeah, I think the other big thing that we see a lot of and we hear a lot of is being tongue-tied. And, um, you know, we we have kids that will come in and, you know, I go back to my, my pediatrics and we use the big words, right? It's ankyloglossia. Mm-hmm. And the doctors say it and the parents' heads spin around. Yeah, sure, and, sure, sure. You know, it's a, it's a pretty simple <laughs> clip. You know, the NT doctors will go in and make a clip and they're fine. But it's really identifying it and some kids get delayed and, you know, it's their – they have challenging with certain letters and mm-hmm. we'll actually pick them up in the pediatric ER, not uncommonly when we're talking to them because we have kids that are there for a while. I think the other things that we see a lot of is lack of stimulation like Carrie talked about. Uh, we definitely see 
kids with neurologic issues, either they've been born in a NICU and they have cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy. We see a fair amount of what we call special needs, um, special healthcare needs and rare genetic disorders. And they're going to be have varying degrees of developmental delay whether it be language, whether it be motor, um, it can be a variety. And those are the kids, as Kerry talked about, early intervention, they all need early intervention. And they tend to get those services. So they're the most common, you know, and then there's autism, right? And it's it's very challenging. I, I worked for an organization and was in charge of a program that had one of the largest autism programs in the country. And what we found was that and there's good literature to back it up. If you think your child has autism, get them screened, get them screened early. And the earlier you get intervention and with a developmental behavioral pediatrician, with early intervention, with all of the different services you can get, um, they have a better outcome. And I recently saw a child that was on the autism spectrum and honest to God, she was, I I've never seen anything like it. Mom had quit her job and spent every day teaching her. And you couldn't tell she had autism. It was, it That's was amazing. absolutely unbelievable. Carrie, the one question I did want to go back to something we were talking about a moment ago. Um, what did you see during um, COVID? Was there issues with early intervention? I, I, I thought I heard, heard something like that. And I can only imagine as you talked about, you know, you were, I'm assuming, teaching through video conference. And I'm, I believe I heard that you had to do some early intervention through video conference as well. Absolutely. And, and of course, that's incredibly difficult. Um, uh, I, although, honestly, teaching in person with a mask, um, when you're dealing yeah. with sounds and what your mouth looks like. Um, in fact, we were just unmasked. Oh, geez. I, I don't remember. But uh, during this year, we were able to become unmasked. And once the masks came off, the spike in referrals to speech language wow. went through the roof because when the child is like this and saying, mm, mm, which M and N are incredibly similar mm -hmm. when formed in the mouth. Um, and so you're like, mm, mm, I don't know which one you're necessarily saying. And then you take that mask off, and I now see that you're going, instead of N for N, you're going mm every time you see them <laughs> and an N. Yeah. Oh, mother of God. Okay. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the speech-language referral one. Okay. Um, the same. And, and there are certain speech, um, speech issues that are perfectly normal for certain age groups. We don't even work on the letter R. You can say um, white instead of right. Um, mm -hmm. um, you can even say I love instead of I love. You know, up to certain ages. R is third grade. If you're still doing the R thing and you cannot pronounce R in third grade, now you need to see the speech therapist. But until third grade, until about eight years old, that's considered developmental. And that presents the other side of this. There are certain things that are completely developmental, like Lello <laughs> when you're three. Um, Lello at 18 is a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't love yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lello. Uh, white, <laughs> white mom, you love Lello? Lello? 
Um, so, right. Uh, there are certain things that, you, okay, you know, TH for F. Um, um, SH and S. And, and, and here's the other issue, is that first graders start losing their, kindergartners first graders start losing their teeth like crazy. Oh, yeah. And that, yep. and that, that creates another set of issues where they can say it properly, but they don't have the the physical barriers in their mouth that help wow. them make these sounds. So that presents this another issue. So you, go, you know what? Okay. When your teeth come in, if you still can't make that sound, come back to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, when you identify, you know, kid or kids that have this speech or language delay, and kind of going back to that, you know, early and intervention, how do you disclose that information to a parent? And, and are or they a resistant? Are, are you finding they're resistant? Because so really, there are some people who are like, sign me up for everything you can offer me. Tell us all the types of responses that you get from parents. Well, there's why doesn't my kid have a delay? I want him to have more services. And you're like, he just doesn't need them. He's perfectly fine. <laughs> he's going to be great this is normal and natural and everything's okay um and then there's also the no the fact that my child is still in diaper at eight or still has toileting issues at eight and it's not because of some kind of deeper intellectual disability or um as dr chris said you know um some kind of uh, palsy, cerebral palsy, or autism, or, you know, severe autism in that case, or, you know, other medical or uh, clinical issues. But, you know, a perfectly, typically developing child with no issues and still has toileting problems at eight, that's not what we expect. Oh, no, that's, no, that's, that's okay. We're okay. We, we tell her that, you know, when she comes home, we'll clean her up. Mm -mm. No. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I think it's so there's the spectrum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just as in anything, there's people who do too much and people who do too little. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think it all comes from the right place. It's love. It's absolutely. First of all, it's love. I love my kid. My kid's perfect for me. Uh, no matter what my kid does. And then there's fear. Of course, my kid's perfect. There can't be anything wrong with my kid. If there's something wrong with my kid, what did I do? Um, what did I do wrong? What did I eat or drink or not drink or not eat while I was pregnant, while I was raising him or her, yeah. you know, and then there's also, and I, and I, I want to use the proper word here. It's not ignorance the way we think of ignorance today. There's not knowing. Mm -hmm. there's just not knowing that oh that's okay or oh no we're we're pushing the outer limits here that's not quite okay um which is again I, why we're doing all this so we can have more people know yeah more pe oh, more awareness exactly what i was gonna say absolutely and it's hard to know uh, you know even uh, people always talk about dyslexia and reversals oh the b's and d's he still doesn't know his b's and d's okay um that's normal until about eight believe it or not that reversals uh, uh, those reversals and and you know um 
uh, well, I, I, I'm not going to do the dyslexia thing right now, but when you think about the fact that B and D and P and Q and G all are remarkably similar in size, shape, and, and even sound, some of them, you know, I'm going to pick up something silly here, but, you know, this is a packet of chocolate. I turn it this way, it's still a packet of chocolate candy. And I turn it this way, and it's still a packet of chocolate candy. And I turn it this way or this way, it's still a packet of chocolate candy. But if you do that with B and D and P and Q, it's something different every time. I saw a meme about that actually recently. It was pretty funny. I don't remember what it was, but it was pretty funny. (laughs) There's a a famous, uh, I don't remember the gentleman's name, Rick something out of Boston. But, you know, he goes, it's not, now it's a watch, and now it's a can of motor oil, and now it's, you know, no. It's it's still a packet of candy, but with letters, it's completely different, makes a different sound, has a different function. You know, so that's why we don't get crazy over things like BDPQ and even G sometimes um, until about eight, because everything else, if you move in space, and rotation is the same thing except your letters i would well i'd insert a chemistry joke here about uh when we take a a chemical and we or a compound and you rotate it it's not the it may not be the same one so um i I saw i saw a meme yesterday (laughs) that kids are like popcorn and when you put a bag of popcorn in the microwave they all pop at different times and that's kind of when they're starting to thrive it's a really great analogy and yeah. i really you know i'm hearing that from you carrie and i'm going back to my medical that their brains are still developing at 25 years old and each kid's going to develop at a different time and i think for our listeners one of the things that's really important is to be patient Mm-hmm. And understand that they are going to develop over time. And, you know, just as you've given us examples, you know, child one is different than child three. And for me, child one was very different than child two as well. So, you know, I, I think you've made a really good point and it's it's pretty amazing. And I and I, I as the mother of three boys, I say this with a, a with a ugh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but boys are different from girls as well. Yes, very much so. You know, um, then, you know, a a child born, you know, here's the other thing, school cutoff delays, you know, um, you can register in Bucks County, it's August, you have to be born September 1st or after to go to kindergarten, but in Philly, it's January 1st or after, New York City, it's January 1st or after, so you can be a kindergartner in Philadelphia and then move to Bucks County and still be in the same grade, yeah. but be way behind your peers mm-hmm. because That's developmentally you're several months younger than the other people in the room. Um, and wow. I, uh, that's the other thing uh, as the mother of three boys, um, you know, I, I have parents who have a kid born August 31st and, or September 1st and, uh, you know, okay, we're, we're, we're not putting them in school and other kids, other parents were like, yeah, yep. September 1st. And he goes, <laughs> they're like, yeah. Oh boy. You know, the oldest, the youngest, all of those things do actually show up. I mean, I actually had a conversation today about a, a child who 
um, has received intervention all year in reading and is not making progress. And when we did all of the, uh, that's the other thing that I think families should know. They call it psychoeducational testing in schools, which sounds very scary. It just means that a psychologist is giving an IQ test and a variety of other measures. Um, but when you get the paperwork, and the paperwork is like 23 pages long and could really come with its own translator. And most people are terrified to say, I have no idea what most of this means, so I'm either not going to sign it and send it back or I will sign it and just pretend like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but psychoeducational testing just means we're giving different kinds of um, achievement tests as well as IQ tests and all of those things. So I've got a girl who comes out perfect on the tests and hasn't changed, hasn't learned to read at all, hasn't changed her um, achievement at all this year from September until now. And we've given, you know, we've also given behavioral scales to check for ADD. And we've also given, um, you know, um, emotional scales and things like that. And is it, okay, what is it? Is it this? Is it that? And, um, you know, on, per on paper, she's perfect. <laughs> and the psychologist came to me today and she goes, she has to have a Ability. We just can't find it. <laughs> How do you spend an entire year in first grade and be taught every day by a specialist in math and in reading and yeah. not move at all? Just flatline. That's not expected. So we're just not finding it. But that's a whole other story. Sorry, that's a different podcast. I have to ask a question, and I don't oh, know yeah. this because I'm not in education. Is there any rhyme or reason to the differences in school districts and when they start? Is there any science behind it? Um, no. What you'll find is that the child, who in, whoever, and most funny, it's the same thing with baseball. Oh. <laughs> and I know you get that. <laughs> so um, in baseball, what is the cutoff? June 1st, or it used to be April 15th, and I, I think it changes. Late spring. It, it you should know this down to the second. Yeah, I believe it's, I believe it's May 5th, actually. <laughs> okay, it's May 5th. So the child born on May 6th is the oldest child on the team. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So that child has a year more experience than child born on May 4th. Yeah. And so the same thing is true in schools. The child who's born on September 1st is a year older, a year more mature, has had a year more of preschool, a year more of somebody reading to him yeah. or her, a year more of those language experiences. And the kid born, you know, August 31st, who missed the cutoff by a day, yeah. you know, is still in that same class, but is a, essentially a year younger. Mm -hmm. It is crazy to think that, about that. That, that ability to develop is amazing. And there's, there's a really good book that I cannot remember the title of right now that looks at hockey players. And it yes. looks at the cutoff in Canada for hockey players. And they look at all the NHL, the top hockey players. And they outliers. Were, outliers. They were all born in the exact same time. 
because yep. because what they ended up being is they're the oldest players ah. and they actually have more experience. And then what subsequently happens is they get elected to the all-star team and then they mm -hmm. get more training and it kind of cycles. And Absolutely. when you read the outliers book, they talk about education exactly the same way. So it's amazing. And I've dealt with it directly with my son. You know, he was very young for his for his year and it's challenging. You have less experience, you have less maturity and maturity. There's something to be said for it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and, and the same thing is true with, with reading. The same thing is true with sports, of course. Um, and, and just general maturity. You know, there's the understanding that school is for real, <laughs> which yeah. is a hard thing to explain to the five-year-old who has shown I up know. in your room. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have a couple more questions for you. Um, two kind of go together. Uh, what can parents do at home? What are the steps do you think your child, what steps do you think you can take if you think your child is speech delayed? So it's besides, kind of, besides early intervention, besides early intervention, you know, what can you do at home? And then what do you think, you know, the steps to take if you're, if you think your kid has a speech delay sure. or a language delay? Um, if it's articulation, I would just do the, the kind of correction. Lello. Yes. Yellow. Yellow. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just, and again, in a loving and not positive a, reinforcement wrong. And there's something wrong with you. No, no judgment. Just, yes, we didn't go to Nana's house. We went to Nana's house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because make it, make it that fun. easy overgeneralization is very popular. I run, <laughs> you know, all of those things. And we see those into first grade. Um, the other thing I would say, and, and um, I know it sounds ridiculous because most people don't live their lives this way, but narrating your day. There's so much language in everything we do. Good morning, sweetheart. I'm taking you out of your crib now. We're going to change your diaper or change your pajamas or I'm changing. But hey, let's get up. Good morning. Let's get out of our, you know, our pajamas and into our day clothes. Do you want red socks or blue socks? Do you, um, today is Monday. On Mondays, you have this. Now we're going to go downstairs or we're going to go into the next room. We're going to go into the kitchen. Um, we're having cereal for breakfast. I'm pouring the milk into the bowl. And this seems incredibly labored and sometimes almost insipid. <laughs> for some people, you're like, oh, my God, I have to narrate every moment of my day. No, but, but for the sake of your child, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have breakfast now. You need a spoon to have cereal. Fork really won't work. Why won't the fork work? Well, there's holes. So you can get the cereal, but you won't get any of the milk. Mm -hmm. You know, those kinds of things. So just, so and it doesn't have overlook. to be constant. It doesn't have to be hovering. Um, all right, let's get in the car. Let's buckle that car seat. Oh, good. You're safe now. Okay. And you don't have to say, I'm making a right turn. I'm making a left turn. You could say stop sign mm -hmm. because that's kind of a symbol, a universal symbol that kids will be expected to recognize even if they don't read, yeah. you know. We have to stop at red lights. Tell me when it says green. Green means go. And here's the, the lost art of parenting. We don't do nursery rhymes anymore. 
And unfortunately, kindergarten has become college in some ways compared to what it was when I went to, uh, to not college, to kindergarten <laughs> 50 years ago. Um, kindergarten was about waiting in line, waiting to take your turn, um, learning to interact with other children, um, learning things like colors, because 50 years ago, most people stayed at home until kindergarten. So it was socialization. It was getting mm -hmm. along with someone other than your siblings. Nowadays, they expect you to do things like subitizing in kindergarten, which is a mathematical term. <laughs> which, um, basically, look at a domino and go, oh, that's nine and that's six. Like, if you, literally, or look at a die, uh, uh, the one side of a die and go, oh, that's five, that's four. That's to, to, to look at it automatically and recognize That's got to be unbelievably challenging for oh, yeah. a five-year-old. I'm sorry? That's got to be unbelievably challenging for a five-year-old. I mean, I'm sorry. I And here's the other thing that we're finding. Now we're finding that because we've been on a screen for two years or 18 months of the two years and because we haven't had a lot of interaction or appropriate interaction because you can't in person because of the masks and you know we are finding that children need to go back and learn how to play with each other oh All yeah and adults and adults <laughs> adults so, have lost that ability as well our kindergartners we have a first grade project we do every year uh it's all about me you know my favorite color and what i want to be when i grow up my favorite place home oh i Never seen that before. Wow. Disney World, the beach, the mountains, the Poconos, the park, the playground. I can't tell you how many kids go home this year. That is so Because strange. if you're five or you're six, you've spent three years, not two years, not leaving your home. And that's okay if we were in a pandemic. But at all also means that you haven't left your home. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. there's interactions you haven't had that are typical or typical for what we've expected for the last hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> now we have to say, this is how you make a friend. This is what a smile means. Because they so haven't crazy seen a smile. When you think about it like that. It's so crazy. Yeah. It really is. So what kind of steps, again, going back, um, you know, if that parent thinks that their kid has some sort of language or speech delay, what are the steps that I they should take? Narrating your day is a great way to start, although it seems silly. It's not for your child. I mean, for your child, it's not a silly thing. It's the way they learn. Again, our brains are hardwired for speaking and listening. Um, so we're expected to do that um, I would do definitely do that. And the, the joke among reading teachers is what's the best way to teach reading? It's called the lap method, which is a joke, but put your child in your lap and read a book. Mm -hmm. I mean, read. Yeah. I, I know it seems silly. 20 minutes a day reading. 
is the difference between it, it's a million words a year. Literally. Wow. There's, is it really? The math is wow. incredible. That's daunting. If you read for 20 minutes a day for 365 days, you will read more th- a, a million-ish words. How can you not be smarter by reading a million words? Wow. That is so, amazing. Yeah. I liked that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, on top of that, you know, for our listeners, Carrie, is there are there any last tips, you know, for our parents and listeners that you might want to add just overall? I would say um, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> You're a parent. And I've had three incredibly different children. And the things I did with my first, I worried about when my second came along was completely different and my third was completely different from him from the other two and um be on the lookout be aware um be proactive but also if you miss something you know don't think that the world has come to an end you're the worst parent ever in the history of parenthood um and get help pediatrician early intervention your school your your public school and again i'm a public school teacher but your public school has a wealth of resources if you i think the biggest problem is that many parents don't know what's available that what they don't know you mentioned that before as well too you don't even know what know. you don't know. Exactly, which is <laughs> and, and, awful. And we see that. And as Azure said, this is one of the reasons we're doing this. We see this around medical issues. We see it around learning and parenting in the emergency department. And everything you said is absolutely amazing. It's so valuable to our listeners. And I want to, from my perspective, thank you for joining us this evening. And certainly from my perspective, say goodbye to the listeners. And Azure is going to take over from here. Yes, Carrie, all of this was such wonderful information. And let me just say, it was a pleasure to have you as our guest with us. And just thank you so much. Um, Again, uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening. Everyone remember to leave comments, suggestions, or, you know, send us a message at bluearmoldwellness.com, where we also have our Kids Health Secrets classes that answers much more of your parenting questions and more as well as those uh, parent coaching. So uh, thank you again, Carrie. Thank you very much for having me. It really has been an honor. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and the fact that I was invited. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. We'll see you next episode. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining our mom and doc talk. Did any questions come up while you were listening? Share your questions with Dr. Christopher and Azure by visiting www.blueemeraldwellness.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram at WeAreKidsHealthSecrets. Don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or Spotify so we can continue answering your most pressing kids' health and parenting questions. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Mom and Doc Talk. The content of this podcast, the opinions and information provided by the co-host and guests are for educational purposes only and should not replace the care provided by your child's physician. If you or your child is ill or having an emergency, please call 911 or seek care immediately.